Want to know the wildest single thing about all of the fan hype regarding Corey Trice since his last draft is that this franchise only recently was wasting draft picks on long snappers and punters. And a lot of people were okay with that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out. Corey Trice looks so legit that it's difficult to doubt him. He's 6'3", he's 206, his arms are long, he runs the 40 in .01 seconds slower time than Joey Porter Jr., and he's a cornerback. He's a real live cornerback. Yeah, some of the scouts tried to put him down and say he's absolutely destined to be a safety. There's no reason he should have been at corner, even at Purdue. But he was. He was. And this, even though in high school he had a broken ankle. And in the 2021 season at Purdue, he had a high ankle sprain and a torn ACL in his knee. Only played two games that season. He comes back. Plays last season for the Boilermakers. Plays well. Starts every game, all 13. Leads the team with 10 pass breakups. Had two picks, one of which he took back to the house. And he was wearing a knee brace through at least some portion of that season. And that alone, just that, was enough to drop him all the way to the seventh round. Now, depending on how seriously you take pro football focus, the intent of what they try to do at PFF is noble. They're watching film. They're not just looking at stats. They're not just reading college bios. They might get it wrong, but at least they're watching. And in Trice's case, Trice was seen by PFF as a top 100 player in this draft class. Top 100, meaning he should have been, in their eyes, taken in the first three rounds. Even weighing the injury, nobody does these rankings ever, ever, without weighing injuries. They don't look at it as if it's a a perfect world. So Trace's conditions, the ankle, the high ankle, the knee ligament, and even wearing the brace this past season, All of that was a factor. All of that was a factor in what they evaluated as well. But what they saw was a 6'3", 206-pound corner, the biggest corner the Pittsburgh Steelers have drafted since Mel Blunt, and they saw him as a true press corner, someone who's getting right into people's faces, someone who's handling challenges Man-to-man, someone with the size and the length to be able to make a difference just in that capacity alone, never mind having very real NFL speed. So believe me, my little opening today was anything but a jab at anybody who's excited 
about Trice. It's impossible to not be that. And doubly so when you consider that the Steelers were able to wait as long as they did, and understanding they didn't have a whole lot of middle round options. Who knows if they would have taken Trice even higher. But what I'm starting to wonder now, and I understand it's premature, but I'm not the one who makes the calendar. When I see Akella Witherspoon getting released as he was yesterday, and I see the 4.4 million cap hit that's saved, I see a couple of things. One, I see the Steelers at around 12 million in cap space, which I think is where they need to be in order to A, pay the draft class, and B, have a little bit of money left over to go after a backup edge rusher if they need it, uh, sideline to sideline, inside linebacker if they feel they need it. I happen to feel they need both. And then Omar Khan's practice is going to be what Kevin Colbert's was, that you'd like to have something in the range of 5 to $10 million in just walking around money as you enter the regular season. There are different ways to arrive at that, though. You can still do restructures. And that alone is what makes me think that this is about something else. Because if you look at the remaining corners now, who are you talking about? You're talking about Joey Porter Jr. You're talking about Patrick Peterson. You're talking about Levi Wallace. And you're talking about Trice. Now, one or more might move inside, might stay outside. I don't know. I don't know. I've been saying for weeks now that there's very little that's solved on that secondary. But the more of these guys you just kind of let walk away, like Arthur Millette and now Witherspoon, the more you realize that this management team and this coaching staff is pretty freaking satisfied with who they've got in the fold right now, including, including the seventh round pick. My goodness, what a story that'd be, huh? Imagine that. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Justin. He says, hey, DK, I have a question about the second string quarterback. Do you see a possibility that if Mitch Trubisky lights it up in the preseason that the Steelers would field calls for him via trade? I think he's one of the best backups in the league, and a team that has quarterback needs right off the bat might just make a trade to make Omar look even more like the con artist than he already does. I'm going to answer this two different ways, Justin. I'm going to start off by saying that the signing of Rudolph was absolutely unequivocally not linked to any sort of imminent or even preconceived trading of Mitch. It's just not. I am not guessing at this one. Doesn't mean it won't happen at some point down the road, but I am not guessing at what the Steelers' intentions are with this move. They saw a value in having a third quarterback 
who could provide them the same kind of depth that they themselves sought last season. And I'm going to presume that Mason's coming back at a much lower price than what he got in collecting like $5 million to hold a clipboard all year in 2022. So if you can get that much quarterback in terms of the quantity, there's no reason not to do it. I don't have an issue with it. I I wasn't going to get excited about any of that. I I just don't get excited about third-string quarterbacks in general, but whatever. To what you're saying, and I get this, there's a lot of quarterbacking that's done by the number two and especially by the number three in preseason games. So you're going to see a lot of Mitch. You're going to see a lot, a lot of Mason. And yeah, if either of them, might as well throw Mason into this too. If either of them were to just light the world on fire, especially Mitch, because I agree with you, if there's 32 starting quarterbacks, where does Mitch rank between 32 and 40? He's somewhere in there and probably on the higher end of it, right? Does that seem fair? So if Mitch does something where it looks like, kind of like what he did for Buffalo a couple of years ago in the preseason, he had an unbelievable game against the Bears of all teams in the preseason. Looked just like a wizard out there. And he ended up not playing again, really, behind Josh Allen all year long. But here's another situation. And you never know. Quarterbacks get hurt. They just all of a sudden go down on the field, sometimes in training camp, sometimes in preseason games, sometimes just wherever. And that team is going to be facing a crisis unlike any other that can happen to your roster. And they're going to look around and see who's available. And Omar would be in a better position to trade either of them. But I'm going to repeat for you, in spite of what I just said, even though I think those things could happen, that that was not the Steelers' mindset in bringing Mason back. It just wasn't. They appreciate the depth. They appreciate the familiarity. They appreciate the knowledge that he brings. And I appreciate the question that you asked. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do one more of these tomorrow. 